In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the community-based organization Metromorphosis has developed a community engagement model that any community can import to help build a stronger, positive, and more successful community for all neighborhoods. Theirs is a model that can be easily replicated here in Denver. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The strategy of Metromorphosis is to first provide and support the opportunity for community members to share their voices and ideas on the best ways to transform their community, while second, bringing together community organizations to allow for a more collaborative approach to community transformation. Over a decade ago, the Purpose Prize was created to shed light on persons whose creativity and innovation in the second half of life is making a better future for us all. In 2022, five persons aged 55 plus were selected by AARP as Purpose Prize winners for the work they are doing to tackle some of our greatest challenges while also inspiring others to do the same. One of the Purpose Prize honorees this year is the founder and director of Metromorphosis. He's our guest, the Reverend Raymond Jetson. So Metromorphosis is the outgrowth of a two-year fellowship that I did at Harvard with the Advanced Leadership, uh, the Advanced Leadership Initiative uh, at Harvard. Uh, it was a leadership-focused initiative for the third stage of life for people who had spent years. Uh, at least 25 years doing a certain work and were interested in transitioning to social impact, leadership for social impact. Um, I ended up in the initiative. It was not something that was on my radar, not something that I planned on. And during the midst of this leadership fellowship, um, I invited, along with some members of my community in Baton Rouge, the mayor, the chamber president, the community foundation leader, uh, higher education leaders, I invited my colleagues, all 21 of them, from around the world, literally. I had the health minister of Switzerland, uh, the uh, CEO of IBM China, uh, a attorney record executive from Berlin, uh, a shipping magnate. Uh, from Greece, who had recently moved to Jerusalem, along with this cadre of really special people in the country. Rodney Slater, who was President Clinton's transportation secretary, was in my cohort. Veronica Biggins from Atlanta, an amazingly gifted woman who was Bill Clinton's advisor on presidential appointments. And so she has a Rolodex that's out of this world. And so I invited these people uh, to Baton Rouge for a weekend. It was a getaway, uh, facilitated a conversation between 18 uh, of my 21 colleagues who came to Baton Rouge and 150 citizens from Baton Rouge talking about education, health care, and the role of community and faith-based organizations. I thought it was a one it was a one-stop show. They came to Baton Rouge. I them out to wonderful places to eat, took them to an LSU football game. Many of them had never been to an American football game in their life. Uh, and Tiger Stadium is an interesting place to introduce people to college football. We connected with some emerging leaders, and we did a debrief before they left. And I was stunned because literally the first words out of one of my colleagues' mouth was, we need to come back next year 
because I started this conversation. I started building that relationship. And so there was this work that began really organically. Um, And so we created this container that we call Better Baton Rouge because I did not want to start another nonprofit. I did not want to do this work. Uh, I, the, this, I, I thought I had a different set of responsibilities focused around urban congregations and how they impact communities. But this work just kept growing. And so two years later, in 2012, we incorporated metromorphosis. Uh, and, and, and our tagline and our mission is uh, transforming inner city communities from within. Uh, and it, 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 uh, there's a lot in there. Uh, you know, first of all, we're not interested in fixing. We're not interested in window dressing. We wrestle with what's real transformation look like. Transformation is sustainable after your efforts are, are over. Transformation involves the people and systems that serve them. But but we are transforming inner city neighborhoods. That's our focus. I've had conversations with people from rural communities. I've shared with them my, my input in any way I could help them. But my heart is inner city neighborhoods, especially inner city Baton Rouge. That's where I grew up. That's my experience. Uh, it's where I spent most of, of, of my life. And so uh, we focus on inner city neighborhoods from within. One of the things uh, that, that I say often, and I am thrilled to say that other people who work with me have started repeating it, and it is that the resources necessary to transform inner-city neighborhoods cannot be imported exclusively. There are not some people out there who are going to bring some stuff into our neighborhood and legitimately transform it. We have to begin with understanding the assets that we have and building upon those to start. The one thing that uh, gets my attention right off the right off the top too is how broad a coalition you put together to start to uh, manage those problems and, and and solve them and take them in a certain direction. This is a model that other urban communities should probably use, too. It's not your organization by itself. It's others that need to contribute to solving the issues or the problems. So two things. One, uh, we would be happy to talk to other communities uh, about what we've learned along the way and uh, provide some technical assistance through a relationship uh, to see if this approach has, has, has benefit in uh, in, in their communities. Uh, secondly, uh, we recognize that there are challenges in inner city neighborhoods that are very real and very profound. That's not where we start. We aren't trying to fix a problem. We're trying to build and strengthen the assets and uh, adjust, engage the system that's contributing to the challenge that we see. And there are a couple of important truths there. First of all, most of the things that that impact inner-city neighborhoods in a negative way are interrelated. Someone who has a problem with housing or someone whose child is suspended and expelled, rarely, if ever, is that the only thing that they are dealing with. 
But we have a social service system that segments people li- people's lives into these silos that, that are about how we organize ourselves. And we expect people to contort and conform to how we've set up our system rather than recognizing that these are whole people. The second thing is the opportunities that are present and the challenges that, that are present are far beyond the capacity of any one organization. And so we believe uh, in what we describe as catalytic partnerships. And so who are the people in the community? Who are the people in the system that we can strategically convene and create these partnerships? Now, it's important to note, our role is not to predetermine what they come up with. But it is to make certain that the conversation is rooted in truth. Here's the data. You know, for example, uh, black boys in my community make up 37% uh, of the student body. They make up 87% of the suspensions and expulsions. Their graduation rate is 46%. That's not an indictment of you. It's a statement of what's really happening in our system. And we always begin from the position that this is not what you aspire to do. You didn't take your job. You don't get up every day and go work so that black boys could get suspended and expelled and don't graduate and drop out at astronomical rates. And so we operate from the position that if you are given the opportunity in a way that does not cause you to do anything that's illegal or, 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 or other, or other bright yellow lines that, that we stay within, that you'd actually be willing to give it a try. Uh, the other part of it, though, is you need to consider those things in the presence of people who live in the communities where these schools are, yeah. whose children are being suspended and expelled. And it may not be their biological child, but it's children from their neighborhoods. They see the reality. You know, you do 10 years of of black boys graduating at 46%. Is anybody surprised that we have a crime and violence problem? Is anybody surprised that the unemployment rate uh, is, is, is above 50% for black boys and men 16 to 24 in our community? Where can they go and get a job? Uh, and, and, and so we create these catalytic partnerships where we bring people in. We have trained ourselves on the science of community change. What are the strategies that need to happen? We, we, my team is trained in collective impact. We're trained in the big picture approach, which is from the Forum for Youth Investment uh, in D.C. Uh, We are partners with the Tamarack Institute uh, out of Kansas, I'm sorry, out of Canada, with their framing uh, around uh, community catalysts. And so we take the science, things that are evidence-based, and we put them in the context of our community. We don't just pull them off the shelf and say, yeah, let's all do that. But we think about it in the context of our community, and we use a bit 
of, of all three of those approaches, and we facilitate the conversations. We help them create the first thing that they create uh, is a shared aspiration. I told the um, American Society on Aging that uh, older adults are not as economically secure as some of us think we are, or even with a Social Security check that we think we have some income there. There are huge numbers uh, of older community members who are struggling to live on a Social Security check and, in those really blessed instances, a pension from a job that they work. Most of them uh, don't have a pension. What is also interesting is that if you do have a pension, then Social Security reduces the amount of money you get. Uh, and so you're, you're kind of stuck uh, in between. Uh, but older community members in so many areas um, are at the mercy of service providers. Uh, they are isolated, family, spouses have, 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 have passed on, and, and they are in very fragile positions. You know, one of the statistics that I shared uh, at the, the uh, American Society on Aging uh, conference is research says 83% of black households and 90% of Latino households will reach retirement age without sufficient resources for the remaining years of their lives. It's just a matter of time before folks fall off a cliff. And this is when we have 10,000 folks a day turning 65, which will happen to 2030, but beyond that, 1957, 58, 59, 60 to 64 are the largest birth years in the baby boomer era. These years are just starting to get into the Social Security and Medicaid mix, Medicare mix. And so you're going to have this huge expansion and demand on a system that was not initially constructed to be a retirement plan but has become a primary retirement plan for so many people that's wholly insufficient uh, and totally incapable of meeting the demand that's, that's about to happen. So where do we go with it? I think that one thing that's really important uh, to, to note is that the national government will, it's not a question of if, but when, the national government will, at some time in the near future, raise taxes to cover the shortfall or dramatically reduce the benefits of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And more than likely, they will do some combination of both. Reverend Raymond Judson, the founding director of Metromorphosis in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We touch base with him at the American Society on Aging National Conference in New Orleans. Learn more about Metromorphosis online at metromorphosis.net. No www required. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.